have tuned into the bull and the badger podcast uh i'm vanessa and with me is april who is the bull i happen to be the badger um let's explain to everybody uh the origin of the badger because you use it for everything like all of your online handles are the badger and i never just pretentious rat badger i never bothered to ask uh, i think you did and then it was like cool story bro and then we moved on (laughs) but like really like there's no reason the whole reason i'm called the badgers because everybody knew i hated it and it was became one of those everybody uh, in college yeah everybody everybody in college uh knew i did not want to be called the badger because we associated badgers with another person i was like i don't want to be that person i'm my own person um unfortunately it stuck and I owned a rat, so then I was like, rat badger, rat badger, rat bastard. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, really? You yeah. didn't tell me that part. Really? Ugh. Ugh. It gets better. <laughs> oh, does it? Is there more? <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. There's and then there is pretentious because? Because I never want to be pretentious, but instead I probably end up being pretentious anyways. So it's like a struggle within yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the, the all the sides of me warring against each other for dominance, the rat side. I, I, I often think I should be like more like a honey badger because, uh, you know, because honey badgers don't, you know, they don't care about other things. And they eat cobras and then they fall asleep and then they eat the cobra, the rest of it. If someone were to ask me, why are you called the bull? I'd say, because I'm a Taurus. The end. <laughs> I think you need to have a story attached. I think it just, it can't be just, oh, yeah, you know, Taurus, the end. Because there's so many other people's, peoples, who are Tauruses as well. So, you know. Well, we'll work on it. We'll work on our, my backstory. Okay. Well, yeah, it should involve sharks, first of all. But, what? No, no, but you don't even have to ask why. It just does. <laughs> okay. So, um, everybody, the podcast is an offshoot of Vanessa's documentary. Vanessa is a filmmaker. And how would you describe your film? Um, my one sentence is always, it's my very intense documentary about how Asian American families don't talk to each other. But uh, I think, you know, um, it's about a lot of things. It's about how when we grow up. Uh, how do we relate to our parents? And um, it's also about like the process of just learning what it means to speak, how to destigmatize therapy. It's got a little bit of something for everybody, <laughs> really. You're like the cheesecake factory of Asian American angst. Oh my god! Captured on film. <laughs> um, at least that's a decent chain. <laughs> I actually don't mind being like compared to Cheesecake Factory. I love Cheesecake Factory. It's it's Plug for Cheesecake Factory. 
You're going to give us free stuff? <laughs> Can I just get a free slice of cheesecake, please? What? I just want a bowl of soup. Mmm, <laughs> bowl of soup. What kind of soup? I'm going to have to say a chowder. A chowder is good. Uh, I think it's around lunchtime, which is why we keep talking about food, and maybe... Even though we just stuffed our face? I stuffed my face. They don't need to know that. It's a podcast. <laughs> Thin well, mints. Beef thin jerky. Mints. Spicy peas. <laughs> That's actually what our podcast is about today. Spicy peas. Well, um, actually, you know what? Um, you sent me this link to this BuzzFeed article. BuzzFeed is the best. Um, about... 15 iconic Asian snacks you need to try. Why don't we go down the list and actually say if we've tried these and what we feel about them. Should we try to also wedge in how you're related to the podcast? Yeah. I'm friends with Vanessa. We've been friends for a long time and uh, I have an intense interest in talking about self-work and... um, Self-work, what does that mean? Mental well-being. Mental health, I guess you would say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, just working on yourself and finding out what makes you tick and recognizing patterns and um, trying to change those destructive patterns to live a happier, more, fu- more fulfilling life. I like all of that. I hope we have that, like, written down somewhere. In if my we don't, brain. In my brain mind. Okay, was... so. Asian snacks. 15 iconic Asian snacks. The first one made me laugh because I really do remember this from my childhood, but Hoff Lakes. Ugh, they're so good. They're so good. I feel like they're the tamarind of, like, Asian snacks. Is it supposed to be? Oh, no, it's, it says Hawthorne fruit. I remember my sister Lisa always buying these, and then we'd, like, you know, do one Where one would you get each. them? At Nine and Ranch. Oh, okay, because my source was Chinatown, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's where I grew up, on the main streets of Chinatown, mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> Chinatown, uh, Hoff Lakes. They're really chewy. They're like coin-sized little, almost like little coin-sized like um, roll-ups, fruit roll-ups, but mm. not as sticky. We used to use them as currency, actually. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would like, but then we realized that you and your brother and sister would get sticky. Yeah, it was kind of gross. <laughs> what then would you we, trade for We used them like coins, you know, just be like. And, but then you couldn't eat them because everybody had handled them. And then we were like, this is the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> it's probably like a one-day experiment in like, I don't know, banking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dried squid. Mm. Oh, wait, sorry. We're still on the radio. Um, No, what what about it? What is there not Have to say? Have you had it? I've never had it, actually, what? to be honest. We, we need to... Probably run out to the 99 Ranch um, right after this. By the way, it's 99 Ranch, not Ranch 99. All you NorCalers. Suck it. Suck anyway. it. <laughs> but dried squid, I think, was great. It just, you know, you didn't win a lot of friends with dried squid unless you were another Asian. Like, the dried squid would come out and then the Asians would gather around and all the, all the other non-Asians would leave. Because it smells. It smells something fierce. Is it really? Yeah. I have never had it. Oh, yeah. It's like dried f- dried fish. How about cuttlefish dried... chips? That's the one thing I don't think I've tried. I think I've tried variations. Like, there's shrimp chips, but not specifically cuttlefish chips. I know. I do love shrimp chips. It says that these are comparable. Probably taste similar. Lychee jelly. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Frozen? 
Oof. Uh, I kind of just like chewing on them. I don't want to suck on it. I want to chew on it. But you like... chew on them when they're frozen. I couldn't do that now because my teeth are, as we've established in the last episode, just rotting out of my mouth. Bummer town. <laughs> what? I said bummer town. That sucks. That you won't be able to in- indulge in that specific uh, Asian treat as frozen anymore. But I mean, like they sell it less and less, and I think because they became choking hazards for small <laughs> children. Yeah. But you can still see them. That's the crazy thing. Is it's like they like like this is what I think happens with like Asian foods. It's like people like they get a bad rap and they like they slink away into the night and then when nobody's looking they slink back onto shelves and you know you can still buy them and they're still delicious as they should be but like you know you just make sure you feel child... bad about yourself when you yeah well them. make your make sure your child chews them dummies <laughs> don't be like mm, one bite no don't work that way <laughs> supervise your children don't toss them in the back of your throat like a like someone did earlier today. What's the bird with the long, with the big? Ostrich? No, the gull. Seagull, but it's not a seagull. It's like a pelican. As like albatross? Pelican. Oh, 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 I see. With the, y- the Yakult milk. I've tried it, never loved it. It's kind of got a nice taste. It kind of tastes like Red Bull a little bit. <laughs> See, I, oh, I haven't had a lot of I either. My stomach turn. I haven't had a lot of either, and maybe that's... I don't know. It's okay. I think... Another that, thing that's enjoyed frozen that would be good. Yeah. I, you know what? In seven years, when my taste buds change again, we'll be ready for Yakult, but not today, folks. Not today. Okay, I'm only going to... I'm going to speed this up. Should we, should we take... By not saying anything at all. <laughs> Get what are white rabbit cream candies? Oh, my gosh. Uh, they're really delicious. Are they uh, chewy? Yeah, they're more chewy. They're kind of like taffy in consistency, but they're much harder. So you can chew them, but you have to like suck and soften them in your mouth. This is going to be the most innuendo podcast of them all. I'm just going to stop there and I'm going to let that be the last thing that Vanessa says about Asian snacks. You were going to do Bow Chicka Bow Wow. Bow Chicka Bow Wow. So. That is a nice little intro into our topic for the day, which is, hey guys, what was it like growing up in an Asian American community? Asian town. And, uh, you know, we don't have anything real, we don't have a message, I suppose, to really communicate, but, you know, let's just reflect. It gets better. because, (laughs) Because it is a rather unique experience. It's true. I, I think I always forget how unique it is just because that's how I grew up for most of my life. And, and that's the, all you know. Yeah. And, and that's what you think it is. The rest of America is not like that. That's for show. For show. For show. For show. So do you have any stories of what it's like to grow up in an Asian American community? Um, I always tell this story that I think is kind of funny because um, when I first came to Arcadia, like it wasn't... It wasn't the Arcadia we know it to be today. How old were you? Uh, I was in first grade, first or second grade. So that put me at, what, six or seven? Mm-hmm. And six, so... Five or six. 
February 6th. So, yeah, uh, we had moved out of Silver Lake before it was hipster town. I didn't know you were in Silver Lake. Yeah, we were. We had grown up in Silver Lake on this uh, house on the hill near Rockaway Records. Woot woot, if you remember Rockaway Records. I think it's still there. <laughs> can, you still, like, can you say it? Rockaway Wack- 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 Records. <laughs> <laughs> Hunting wabbits. Um, and, yeah, it was like this little house on the hill, and it had this great little backyard. Um and then we moved to Arcadia, and I cried. I was the only one who cried in my family, by the way. I just ever. I well, I would. I would believe moving, that. The fact that we were moving, everybody was like, mm, "Okay," and I was like, Bleh. <laughs> I, didn't even, I couldn't even understand why I was crying. I just was. I was a small child, and something was happening big, and I was like, "Let's cry about it." <laughs> nope, just you, Vanessa. <laughs> so uh, we moved to Arcadia, and um, like we're probably. It was still, like, a very, you know, Caucasian town. It was very, uh, it was probably, like, 70% Caucasian. You can say white. Oh, okay. The whites. <laughs> Alienated, currently. Um, so, 70, 70% white, about 20% Asian, um, and, like, 10% everything else. And, um, that sucks. <laughs> But uh, when I was growing up, I was the only one playing, you know, soccer um, and one of the only Asian kids on the team. But uh, it was uh, soccer was a big deal in Arcadia. And um, a lot of those people who I played soccer with are now like or were on club teams or were playing for universities and things like that. And they all got scholarships to school. And I was never (laughs) tall enough or good enough. But um, on Saturdays, they'd have this thing called soccer camp where you're still like building your skills and like you know, becoming the best soccer player you could be. Mm-hmm. And then um, across, like, a fence near, like, you know, like, we'd be playing in the fields outside of, like, a middle school. And then at the school was Chinese school. Mm-hmm. And, like, they would every morning be doing these exercises. Mm-hmm. And I was so embarrassed. <laughs> even though even though I was not them, but I looked like them. Right. And they were, you know, they were, there was this, like, woman who was speaking Chinese. And it was to a tune. And it was super cheesy. They would all start doing aerobics. I was like... Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The aerobics are here. Look away. <laughs> if you don't look at them directly, you're not one of them. Aww. And you know, like my identity was not very tied up in being Asian actually, uh-huh. because being Asian was just it was one of those subconscious facts like, "Oh, I have black hair, brown eyes, and this these are the foods I eat." And you know, you just kind of exist. And you're completely you're not like aware of your nose until somebody else has a different nose and you're like, "Oh, right. That nose. So different than my mind. But you also have to be, like, aware of your own nose, right? So, um... Do you really mean your nose? Are you speaking figuratively right now? Figuratively. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess nose is not the best. But it's something that's, like, completely a part of you that you just don't realize. Right. You know? Um, but... The, I was like, yeah, I, like, didn't think Asians were that great <laughs> growing up until I realized I was one. And I was like, Asians are the best! <laughs> You broke, you broke it. You broke the internet. You broke. No, seriously. Like, why did my laugh mess things up? And why didn't your? Probably because, probably because, like I throw my head back when I laugh, and I think you like move forward 
like right up in it. And okay. Then, bam. So, so was that your story or was there more? Oh, there is more. Okay. If you want to talk about Asians are the best. But how about before I talk about the transition into awareness of my Asianness? Okay. Why don't Why don't you Why don't you tell a story about growing up in Arcadia? Or some, somewhere thereabouts. Well, I was born in Los Angeles, and prior to living in Arcadia, I lived in West Covina. Um, West Co? But moved into Arcadia probably when I was quite young, like maybe three. You were, you were in pigtails. Three or something like that. I feel like I've seen pictures of this. Mostly bowl cuts. Oh. Yeah, mostly yeah. bowl cuts, not so much pigtails. Um, Fashion of the day, uh-huh. Uh, I guess what makes my story a little differently different from yours is that, um, you know, uh, Arcadia being largely Asian American or Asian, um, you are Chinese, right? Uh-huh. And I am Filipino, and there this is true. There aren't too many Filipinos around, so I sort of grew up as a Filipino person, surrounded by. Asians, mostly Chinese. Can I interrupt with a little-known fact? I think you were one of my first, like, really close Filipino friends. Was I everything you expected and more? And more. <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay, go on. Um, and so it's interesting. It's not even a dual culture. It's like a, a, a triple culture. <laughs> Is that the right... Yeah, let's just go with it. Triple yeah, culture. triple culture. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any specific story like you do, but I was put into ESL when I was in first grade, even though English is my only language. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about it? Why do you think you were put into ESL? I think I was put into ESL because I was quiet. Um, and they maybe they thought that I was quiet because I didn't understand or couldn't speak or something like that. You know, did English. you did you bitch slap them with your English skills? No, I just quietly sat there in my bowl cut and I did all the exercises they wanted me to do. And then you ate your dried squid snacks <laughs> like in the corner of the room by yourself. Like exactly. Wow. <laughs> so um, I don't know. That moment when you realize, you know, you're an Asian amongst a whole bunch of non-Asians. Um, and then also the moment when, you know, you realized, like, your self-awareness of culture. I think that's always an interesting discussion. Cause I, think, I think race and culture didn't really become such a divisive thing until high school. I agree with that. Like, yeah. you know, up through throughout elementary school and middle school... I had plenty of friends um, of all different races and cultures and ethnicities. Um, and there wasn't really much of a separation until high school, I feel. Actually, I would, growing in, up in, in, in Arcadia and then going into middle school, like they had changed the system to be, instead of a junior high and middle school, so in high school you were going, or you started high school when you were in ninth grade, right? So... One of the rumors as an eighth grader was like, oh my gosh, you can no longer have friends of other race. Like they were talking about even then, like, oh my goodness, we're, we have to stay friends. Like we can't just be friends with only Asian people. But even by middle school, I think that was the trend that was already kind of deform starting to form, but we just weren't as aware of it. We just were aware of like common interests or, you know, like we 
we all did band, so you know those people grouped together. Those so there were more. Those were more categorical differences. Like that's probably the difference between like a lot of like high school teenage movies in you know uh, in Hollywood. It's like, well, the reason they're all grouped by categories and like interests is because they're all homogenous. They're all white people. Right. Exactly. Like I think the sort of quintessential high school white person movie. I shouldn't say that. I should say the quintessential teen movie from when you and I were in high school or middle mm-hmm. school was Can't Hardly Wait. Remember that? Yes, and She's All That. Yes, those two. Ethan Embry, Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, and other people I can't remember. Um, well, and it's like the jocks and trying to like get in with the jocks and the popular girls. And I never really related to that because I feel like in our high school, we didn't have jocks. And we, did, we had nerds. jocks. I mean, they were there, but, like, it wasn't such a huge, like, social, um, you know, indicator. Yeah. I feel like in our high school, it was, like, Asians, whites. That was kind of mainly what it was. Well, no, there were other there were other races, but they got, like, absorbed into one or the other. And, like, uh, like the jocks, the guys who were playing maybe basketball were the guys who were sitting in AP math with us. Like they, they didn't distinguish like the people who are on the, the tennis team. We, we didn't talk as much with the guys on the football team, you know, like, because it was almost like they were separate worlds. Maybe that's the other thing too, is that our high school was so big. Mm-hmm. Like you could be anonymous throughout high school. And you know, like I always remember not sitting next to people. Like I was sitting next to a bunch of Asian people that I didn't recognize. And that's almost at like, graduation. At mean? graduation. Yeah. And you know, with a class of 800 graduating seniors, like it just, it was impossible to know everybody. And, um, you know, I, I think, it, well, at least, I mean, I didn't experience any bullying in high school. So, you know, there wasn't anybody who was unawareness of the other, this other group out there that's, you know, like we are aware of like the hot girls and like the hot popular girls. And then there was I like, I say hot pockets. <laughs> I We're think I also just very aware of those. <laughs> One of my favorite after-school snacks. Not Asian, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but they practically were because they were so convenient and delicious. Okay. Yep. We just crossed a couple lines there, I think. Uh, <laughs> Asian snacks, colon, convenient and delicious. Yeah. As are all Asian snacks. Um, <laughs> well, how about this? Let me ask you a question. Um how, if race or ethnicity or culture didn't become a real thing for us until high school, did it, did your parents ever sort of support or, or offer any notions of culture and ethnicity either before or after that time? Mm, give me an example of what you're talking about. Like either encourage you or discourage you to hang out with a specific ethnicity no no nothing like that i think or ever make any like blanket comments about a specific ethnicity oh that's a good question i you know there's probably times where it happened but you it's just culture talk and so it kind of just goes by you so like i wasn't aware um 
it was more like my peers would do that kind of talking like oh you know this set of people does this like the whites do this the mexicans do that you know the blacks do that and you know that's kind of you know how you learn like it's like that socialization came from from school more so than from my parents you know um i don't think because like like i like i said like i'm like third or fourth generation depending on how, how you counted chinese american and so you know there wasn't like it wasn't like we couldn't not date someone outside the race either like i think they were more open to those kinds of things it just but your parents didn't even want you guys dating in the first place that's true we couldn't go to high school dances yeah i always thought that was weird <laughs> it's still kind of sad <laughs> we're still scared no you know like i get it i get it just because of um at least you know the christian culture that i grew up in you know they weren't okay with that but you know uh i think everybody just kind of like trucked along the same because we weren't relating to that we weren't ex exposed to people who were not also abcs you know american-born chinese you know there wasn't just an awareness of too much others you know mm -hmm. even 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 my friends growing up at church who were more like you were ostracized if you were fobby if you were like in your church yeah uh -huh. Yeah, you know, like they, you know, like if English wasn't your first language. Mm -hmm. So in that way, <laughs> that kind of sucks. That was kind of uncool. Um, at the same time, it was kind of, you know, we didn't. I think even at school, we were, you know, made distinctions between who was more American and who was not. And it was better to be a more American. I don't know. What about you? What about your experiences? Kind of like, who who socialized you to understand race and culture? Was it family or was it at school? I think it definitely began with family. Um, my parents are immigrants from the Philippines. And um, so they weren't sort of like, I don't know. I think it's interesting that your parents never said anything like that to you guys. Um, Either that or we just didn't register it, you know? Right, yeah. But, I mean, we definitely heard impressions of different ethnicities and races from our parents. Like, you know, Chinese people only care about money and uh, don't talk to black people or, or Hispanic people. And white people don't care about working hard. Um, that kind of a thing. Wow. Ooh, uh... Random note, I remember reading in this article by Yen Li Espiritu, a <laughs> Filipina professor in, in, in my undergraduate days where she was like talking about these differences and how, um, you know, girls in the Philippines are told like, we don't sleep around like white women do. Was that something else that like came really? up? Yeah, that's that's like a like a... No, that's way too adult. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Um... But that's funny because, like, I don't know. At the same time, like, my parents are, not my parents, but I think particularly my father is, like, an equal opportunity discriminator <laughs> in the sense of no one is safe from that kind of, like, blanket generalization, you know? Like, even Filipino people themselves are not hardworking enough. Um, and so everyone sucks basically oh no we all got issues <laughs> yeah um but you know i don't think that that really 
um, registers when you're a young person, especially when you're thrown into a school with all different kinds of people. And, um, you know, I made friends with all different kinds of races from a very young age. And um, those kinds of sort of socializing comments never really affected that, I think. Um, And I think that those things only really came into play um, when I was, you know, older, like in high school. Were you aware, like, were you conscious of the diversity of friendships that you had like i remember middle school actually like again consciously talking about like wow look at us we're so diverse like did you ever have those discussions i don't think so i don't think i ever did no but you did yeah we i was friends like i would i would count it on my hands i don't know what what was wrong with me was it like too much like planeteers or something like, i wanted to look like this rainbow colored cast like ghost rider or something you remember ghost rider Sort of. On PBS, yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, the Latino guy totally dates the Asian girl. And I was like, yeah! Interracial <laughs> relationship. I don't know what's wrong with me. But, like, so um, uh, on on in, in middle school, I had um, a half-white, half-black friend who was gorgeous and tall and played soccer. And she modeled. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had um, an African-American friend. She was full African-American. Um, and she eventually went to Monrovia High. Uh, I had a half-white, half-Asian friend, and then I had another Asian friend. And that was, like, kind of our group. Oh, and, and, a, and, a, and a Jewish girl. Mm-hmm. And a Jewish girl. And I remember that just kind of, like, being our French, our, our group. Mm-hmm. But then we broke apart because of those categorizations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the tall girl ended up being, like, an athlete, a jock. So she would, like, hang out with all the jocks and then, like... You know, the black girl moved away and then, you know, the rest of us kind of like broke off. Like I became super nerdy, you know, like and it was like involved in all these like clubs and CSF and band and things like that. So I don't know. But you never you never thought because like I remember looking at some of your pictures in middle school and it being diverse, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I mean, it it is only interesting looking back and and seeing the huge shift because that's just how it was up until eighth grade. And then ninth grade forward, it was like, boom. Suddenly we're all in our, like, ethnic, like, groups. I don't, I don't know why. When you, when, you, when you were in high school, though, did you acknowledge that and want to change it? Or was it just kind of like, that just, that's just how it is? I think I maybe had some awareness of it. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I mean, high school is just confusing and weird as it is. Like, <laughs> even just even within your own ethnicity, it's like so much to think about and so much like social navigation. You right. Know? Oh yeah. No, it's it was like high school was very confusing, and it wasn't until senior year where I was like, I got my groove, and then it's like, yeah. no, you don't. Yeah. You're going to college now. Yeah. No. I mean, I think in this discussion, I, I want to say um, to our listeners that. You know, some people might think, like, why are you just talking about race? Like, why is this just a big deal? Like, that's so, like, narrow-minded or whatever. But I think that the reason that we're talking about it is because it's a reality in that, you know, race itself is a social construct, but it's something that has really impacted our lives and plays into plays a huge part in our sense of identity. And to, you know, say that race or ethnicity doesn't exist is, 
you know, sort of whitewashing and sort of colorblinding the situation, you know, like... Colorblinding in a bad way. Yeah. You know, like, we understand that it's sort of... It's complicated to talk about, you know? And, like... It's complicated! Saying all those, like, generalizations, you know, it's hard to hear and it's hard to say because, like, in reality, we're all just people and we all have the same potentials and we all have... We're all very complex, but... You know, Vanessa and I are just relating our experiences, you know, and how we sort of came to this place of where we are now. Um, so please don't think that we're racist or anything like that. Well, everyone's a little bit racist. Right. Everyone's a little bit racist. Or I would say everyone's a little bit prejudiced. Yeah. You know, um, one of my professors in grad school said that he's like, you know, this might be sort of boiling it down a little too much, but... Why don't we use this equation, which is prejudice plus power equals racism? Um, I'm in agreement. And so, you know, what Vanessa and I are trying to do is just have a discussion and bring up these things that sometimes I feel like aren't brought up. And, you know, understanding your culture and the role that it plays in shaping who you are is super duper important. And, and, really instrumental in sort of surpassing that and, you know, um, really getting past like these sort of like deep seated, um, understandings that we have of the people around us and ourselves. No, I, that, anyway, that's my, that's my, uh, please don't call us racist <laughs> thing. Right. No. And I, I'm glad you like brought it back because it's like, well, why do we talk about anything, right? And the whole point about this podcast is let's, you know, have constructive discussions about mental health and they don't all have to be uh, somber all the time. Because a lot of the times the stories of us growing up are like hilarious and other times they're tough. You know, other times we're under a lot of pressure, you know, like or, you know, there's a lot of cultural expectations that were placed on us. But really, I, you know, like it's their full experiences. They're not one thing or the other. And so to discuss um, race and uh, ethnicity and cultural background, it's important, you know, because that was a huge, when I think about identity and the this, like, mosaic that makes us who we are, like, probably race and cultural identity play a huge part in um, just that formulation, but in, in general, it just takes up a huge portion of, you know, uh, how we how we view ourselves. And, you know, not everybody feels that way, and that's fine, you know. But also, uh, you can't diminish other people's experiences when by saying, oh, why do you guys talk about race a lot? Like, I hate when Canadians tell me. You, <laughs> yes, very specifically calling out Canadians, like, right <laughs> freaking now. Why are you all talking about race all the time? And I'm like, why aren't you guys talking about race at all? Because, right. it, you know, like... How many like, Canadians have said that to you? How many Canadians do you have in your life? Too many. <laughs> However many there are, like if I can count them on my hand, it's already too many. It's just, it's just too much. <laughs> and I'm not apologizing. Um, <laughs> Goddamn Canadians. Go back. In your milk bags. Support yourselves. <laughs> but leave your free prescription medicine. <laughs> Um, 
That's right. I'm not. I guess I'm a nationalist. I guess I'm a jingoist or something like that. I'm not a racist anymore. But like, you know, to deny those talks is to just deny like an important part of who you are, and to deny that part of the dialogue、uh, that we're all a part of.、Um, you know, and being colorblind used to be a positive word, but now it's not because. Let's acknowledge where we're from and appreciate those things. And、know? let's acknowledge the systems that are in place in the country and the world that often operate based on color. You know, I mean that's a, sort of a bigger discussion in and of itself. But you know, episode three. <laughs> <laughs> We've just transitioned to episode three. No, I mean.、Um, Yeah, I, I think that、uh, sometimes I, I forget that people are like, "Ooh, Asians talking about race again," you know. And it's only when someone lacks that awareness that these discussions come up, and then you feel like you have to rationalize or things like that. But I'm not going to rationalize those discussions because、right. they're a part of who we are. You know? All right. Well, so let's back up. Let's get back into what it's like to grow、uh, up in in the Asian American community. What would you say are like? Let's not say ten because that's too many. Let's say what are the five commandments of being an Asian American kid growing up in an Asian American community? Oh man. Number one, straight A's. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, like my experience is is slightly different. Like, we didn't have to get straight A's, but we had to try hard at school. Like, we couldn't slack off. Like, B's were okay. We weren't gonna get punished for B's. But if they knew we could get an A, then we'd get punished. I guess that's a fine line, right? But good grades. Let's just say good grades. Like, okay, here's a fun story. My brother was friends with non-Asians. Let's call them white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do like a quieter laugh so I don't screw up the sound anymore. <laughs> Let's call them white. Okay. No, the whites. <laughs> <laughs> Why?、Well, you know, or there might have been some Latino kids. I don't know. They're all thrown in the mix, right? Sure. And he'd be like, "Look, mom, I got bees. Can I get paid for that?" And she was like, "No," and he was like, "But my friends who get C's get paid." And she's like, "You will never get paid for a B or a C because we used to get we used to get some money like thrown at us when we got A's thrown like, at you." Yeah, it was like make it rain, <laughs> straight A's, four point oh, make it rain on a roll, make it rain. Did you get scared when you weren't getting A's? If I didn't get enough A's, I think I was like worried. But again, I don't know if that was pressure that was from my family or my parents or from those people around me. You know, because I think that actually played a lot into how much I pressured myself in high school. Because、um, I wasn't ever getting like bad enough grades to to warrant like a lot of like. Strict measures, more studying, you know, less TV kind of stuff. But it it wasn't、um, like because I, I learned to stay in the middle of the pack. I was getting good good enough grades, but then I realized like all my friends are getting better grades. How do I get to that place? So, I mean, I think that the difference between your upbringing and my upbringing is is pretty much like you know my parents are immigrants, and you're like third or fourth generation, and like. 
I don't know. It was just a lot scarier <laughs> and a lot more dire for me mm. to like, you know, earn um, academic excellence and stuff like that. Sure. There was just no excuse. Like there's more of an urgency, more of a like a external pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we wouldn't get paid for A's. <laughs> we would just like That's, that was, that not was the have to. We would just not have to like stress. And, like, you know, huh. be terrified of not getting A's. Okay. Um, okay, so that's one. What would you say is another? Like, just a rule for Asian Americans growing up in Arcadia mm-hmm. or, like, anywhere? Well, I'll throw one out there. Mm. Go to an Ivy League college? Uh, go to college. Okay. Oh, no. Our combined forces. Okay. (laughs) Okay, there should really be just two separate lists, but Ness and I are... We'll compare. (laughs) Yeah, we'll compare our notes. Um, I think when... You had to be polite and respectful to every adult that you ever met. That's... I mean, that's a weird rule to, like, put out there. But when I think about my... All my interactions with my friends growing up, like, there was very specific expectations for us as guests in someone's house. And those are, I think, were, like, explicit rules. You know, those weren't, like, implicit rules of, like, behavior and stuff like that. But there were a lot of... The ones that were explicit had to do with how do you relate to other people. And so... You know, like when I I met friends who called their parents by their first name, it freaked me out and I couldn't do it. I still can't call people's parents by their first names. I never do. Unless, unless I like they introduce unless they happen to be a parent and I know them through another context, like <laughs> like someone I work with who has parents, like obviously I'm not gonna call them Mr. Smith or whatever. Right. But even like you no, know, people's parents who introduce them as their themselves with their first names, I don't say their first names I say Mr. and Mrs. it doesn't seem right and I understand that I'm 30 years old now but it's just like it seems gross to have to do that and disrespectful um but yeah like yeah our our parents taught us you know the second that someone steps into your house like offer them a drink before they sit down or if you if you go to someone else's house you can't ask for soda you have to ask for water like you can't you can't initiate the discussion. Or gifts. Like you always had to like always bring gifts. Always bring gifts. But if someone offers you something, then you have to refuse. Right. <laughs> so the more that I explain it, it becomes so like Byzantine and complicated. <laughs> so in this context, if this happens and if it's a chicken gift <laughs> well, it's a chicken gift. <laughs> yeah, certain gifts you can accept and certain other ones like like you can't like money things like that okay so good grades college um social niceties Mm. what else Mm. What, what are some implicit rules that you think you were learning i don't know hmm Let's all pause for a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> I think three is pretty good, though. Yeah. Those were three common experiences. Because then, then after that, it becomes uh, 
you know, there's just so much variation. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, too, um, one, you do have immigrant parents and, um, you know, I'm third or fourth generation, but also like you being Filipina and me being Chinese might affect a little bit about how we, you know, we're taught certain things. Or do you, I mean, like, are there, do you think there are enough differences? I mean, I always felt I was raised, my dad sort of raised us more, like, to be, like, sort of Chinese. Oh. Um, Even though all we think about is money? That's all my dad thinks about. Oh. <laughs> we are really good at investments. I just want to point that out. I mean, like... There's a lot of very clear, like, signals to us that we should not be, like, Filipino people um, because they don't work hard enough and, um, you know, don't make smart decisions and stuff. Would he give examples or was it just, like, generalizations? Of... Mostly generalizations. Mm. It's always generalizations. Oh, here's one that we didn't think about. How did your, your parents teach you about relationships? Or, like, were there rules about that kind of what stuff? What kinds of relationships? Like, uh, boyfriend-girlfriend situations. My parents never talk about it. Right, but could you have brought someone home that was not Asian? Would that have been okay? My parents never talk about it. Wow. Usually usually there's someone who in the family who's like, Ugh. Because, I mean, like, the fact that we couldn't go to dances was a clear kind of thing for us that, like, they weren't cool with us dating in high school. But it wasn't, like, stated. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, well, one thing, I remember being in a car with my parents. I think I was in middle school. And we were driving, I told you the story, we were driving to, like, Marie Callender's or something like that for dinner. <laughs> That's so white. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like when, um, when like Liam Neeson, I think, was sort of like, I don't know, it was, you know, becoming a bigger celebrity, I suppose. And like I had a crush on him. And you know what you do in middle school? You like think of names that you want to name your children, <laughs> you know? Or maybe not even middle school, maybe like early high school. And, um, it was just my parents and myself and I was like oh and I would name my daughter this and um, because it's a pretty name and then you could shorten it to this name for a nickname because that would be kind of cool and my dad just snapped at me and said why are you thinking about these things why aren't you thinking about your career and that was in 7th grade I think <laughs> maybe ninth grade 7th to ninth grade and I was like, oh, okay, well, if you're, like, that's a signal, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a signal to me. I, I um, similarly, uh, we we were on a California Scholarship Federation trip to Disneyland. Um, and I was a seventh grader and my friends were eighth graders. And then we had these boys start throwing ice at us. And I don't know if I've told you this story, but it sticks out of my mind very clearly. Um... And uh, so we started throwing ice back. And it was, like, fun. It was, like, oh, let's get them. Oh, you know, like, very, like, little rascals. Like, you know, man-hating, you know, boys. No, man-hating girls club. No, 
girl hating man club or something okay. like that. Whatever they had. Anyways, it, it was the tension between the sexes that, you know, is much more innocent than like, you know, we're attracted to you kind of like pull your hair type. Teasing. Yeah. So and then I, I I thought that was a funny story and I was like, Oh, we kinda like made you friends today, you know, by um by throwing ice at each other. And then I came home, told my told the story to my mom, and she's like, don't ever talk to strangers. Don't ever talk to, like, boys like that, blah, 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 blah. And, like, she kind of completely flipped out on me. And I was confused. And, like, I was, like, genuinely, like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? And the whole night, I was, like, up thinking about it. Like, what did I deserve to do that, you know, deserve that wrath for mm. yeah it, it's funny it's funny the way you grow up it's funny you know uh where you grow up and how that affects you and things like that and i always wonder like well what would i've been like if i grew up in silver lake you know with my cousins you know i probably would have felt a lot less inadequate if that makes sense in terms of my grades in terms of how i was performing at school because whatever i did to get the A wasn't ever good enough because there's always someone who's better than me. But at the same time, like, I grew up with, like, a lot of privilege. Like, even in middle school, you were required to take an instrument. You, like, had to take an instrument. And, like, if I didn't have the experience of taking flute, like, I didn't take private lessons or anything. But, like, I had the opportunity to, like, play music and be exposed to all this different kind of, like, these activities. Um then I wouldn't be, my my experience of life wouldn't be as rich, you know, because I love classical music now. Woo! I can tell Baroque <laughs> from classical, you know, I can tell chamber music from a symphony, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does we need to have Vanessa's bragging hour? Yep. I'm now flipping my hair. <laughs> what, what other things can you tell apart from other things? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> Oboes from, I don't know, my ass. No, um, <laughs> but like, I, you know, like, uh, one thing that I like to always look at in terms of Arcadia and growing up in Arcadia is the way it changed. Like, even from the moment that I stepped out of high school to the moment that my brother graduated, you know, that, which is a difference of two years, it went from being like 40% Asian to 60 or 70% Asian. I thought when I, we graduated, it was 60% Asian. Yeah. But the, but like, okay, so, so so say it was just a matter of like four years from the moment we stepped in as freshmen to the moment we graduated, you know, like that actual change was ginormous. What does that mean to you? I don't know. It, it, it affected, um, affected how I saw my city. It affected how other people saw the city, you know, um... It, it meant a lot less diversity in, like, a weird way. Because at least if you had white people there <laughs> counterbalancing all these, like, Asian people, like, y you know, it, it didn't... It meant there was, like, emphasis on more, like, different things. It meant there could be more mixing. But at this point, like, there's so many groups of kids now who don't... aren't forced to interact with people outside of their own kind of, like groups you know like they're not forced to interact with people who are not asian you know a lot of times they don't even have to not speak their own language you know um 
And I'm no, I'm no like, English should be, you know, America's like official language. I'm not one of those people. But like the the lack of diversity that Arcadia's, you know, experienced is only to its detriment. I don't know. I when's when do you think is the first time that you actually had a friend that was an Asian again? Like close college. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, it's like it's like it all centered around high school, I feel. Like suddenly there's like Asian pride, you know? Um and it's like this black hole where, like, before high school, everyone's sort of friends with everybody, and no one—I mean, you know, there are notions, especially in middle school. But then when you're in high school, it's, like, so defining. And then getting out of that and being, like, um, uninstitutionalized in that sense of, like, you know, Arcadia High is kind of like Asian institution, you know, mm. and sort of leaving that behind, it it's like growing pains. You know, you kind of have to retrain yeah. your brain to be like, no, people who aren't Asian can be very intelligent, you know, and very hardworking and get really good grades and try really hard and, you know, secure like, you know, um, good jobs and things like that. Um and I remember my my first my roommate for my first year of college. I was like, "Oh, white people are smart." As if I didn't know that or something. Like I, but, but something I you had, took for granted. It yeah, like I had been so like indoctrinated in like this sort of like Asian like um, superiority, you know, in high school. That like it was like seriously it was surprising to me when I had this roommate who was like popular and charming and pretty and you know, in a sorority and very socially capable and also extremely hardworking, extremely intelligent, you know, um, really like take taking charge of her life and, you know, doing what she needs to do to excel. And um and being like kind of like taking to school, you know, on that point. I think for me, that moment was like just being in the workplace because <sighs> humility is not something that's actually, you know, I mean, it should be. <laughs> but like Asian false humility was not valued in the workplace. And you do have to crow and beat your chest a little bit when you do something right. You do have to speak up for yourself, at least. You have to find ways to assert yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to go, oh, and Vanessa, what were you thinking? No, you have to you know, like, raise your hand and, 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 and make sure that your voice is heard, especially if, you know, you feel strongly about something. And, you know, it it's it's crazy how much the learning curve of being in the workplace was. Because, I mean, my first job outside of, uh, outside of college was, like, more Asians, you know. <laughs> but then, you know, after grad school and during grad school, like, um, it, was, it was very much a process of going, okay, culturally we're all really different which is why we're having some disagreements here okay acknowledge them and and move on or like at least secretly acknowledge like okay this is why this is this dynamic is not going ideally or you don't feel heard where you feel like nobody's trying to reach consensus people are just kind of unilaterally making decisions and you're like wait a second wait a wait a, wait a second <laughs> let's, let's, let's just do this thing differently and even acknowledging that how you grew up 
could work better for the situation and then inserting that dynamic into into you know your workplace because you know sometimes people are always shouting each other and you know making you know they're like well i need to be heard and i you know like this is my opinion and it's right and it's like okay after i've now heard all of you guys you know like let's come to like a calm decision about that i'm not saying that's like completely like from my cultural background but you know like cultural background does influence the way that we treat each other respect each other and like you said so first of all acknowledging you know that other other people are hard working you know not just the asians <laughs> and and then and then just seeing how what however you grew up disadvantages you in some way because you know um it's not going to it's not productive it's not moving you forward um yeah, I think like a lot of my classmates in grad school were like, "Who is she really?" Because that was just who I was, but they'd never experienced an Asian American. You know, they experienced Asians, but like not an Asian American up close, and so they didn't know how to relate to me. So I had to define, you know, a lot of the relationships and dynamics, but I was like not willing to. So a lot of times I was just kind of like passed over or um seen as a non-entity, you know, not as important or oh she's always kind of demurring you know and like i was like oh that's weird i've never thought like in a group of asians i'm the not demure one i'm the like i'm the one expressing myself and like you know trying to like bring the energy of the room up and trying to be dynamic and then amongst all these other people it's like oh she's the quiet one oh she's the one who doesn't speak up and it was like <laughs> you know, complete identities. Vanessa did just did a little matrix. Yeah. Bullet. <laughs> yeah, reality had shifted at that point, so that I knew kung fu. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's it's always good to like acknowledge where you've come from, and then and then bringing it to a new context, like just adjusting so that you know. Like I said, I always like to use the word productive, just because like it's not necessarily better. It's just it's gonna help you achieve your goals more better. Plus well, better. words. Should we should we take listener questions? Are we are we about wrapping up right now? Yeah, I think I think no, that's a good time to kind of. Um, kind of wrap up and and say our goodbyes and um, okay i have one question uh-huh and this comes from our friend by the name of eric and um who came from the same who grew up in the same town right and um before i asked this question what are three awesome things about eric um who by the way we call vanessa's soulmate sometimes no, no, no. Not we because call him they really my male twin. Oh, male twin. I it's feel like very different. Okay, male twin. But this is male twin. Three things. Three amazing things about Eric. One is that he's not my actual twin. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the most amazing part. Is that he? Uh, we're both ENFPs, but he's probably one of the most welcoming, uh, nicest guys you'll ever meet. Like most non-threatening. He like literally goes up to people in the street, just starts talking to them, which always freaks me out but like it's always like ended up pretty positively and he knows when to like disengage that's good <laughs> yeah. are those three so, things 
No, this was that was like one big thing. Oh. Um, I like when Eric randomly breaks out in song and dance. Like walking down the street, suddenly we're in like a line. <laughs> suddenly we're in a musical and he's doing like a Jetson Sharks walk down the street. I enjoy that. Yeah, and I, and and the third thing that we have to acknowledge is that Eric is game. Like we'll always have these crazy ideas where um, at least I'll have crazy ideas like 3 a.m. I'm like, you know what? It'd be awesome if we did this thing right now. Like if we watched a horror movie. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just I'll just drive over. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I was totally thinking that same thing. And I don't think he was thinking the same thing, but maybe yesterday he was. Right. And so he'll be just like, yeah, let's just do it. I'm Eric. I'm game. Yay. Eric the game Huang. Eric the game. So his question, growing up in a Taiwanese-American family, I never heard expressions of parental love in Mandarin, only English. Similar experiences? That was his question. Huh. You want to you take this one first? Well, it's kind of complicated, I think, for both of us because we are not bilingual. Oh, no. <laughs> so, no I mean, I, I heard expressions house. of explicit expressions of parental love in zero languages. What about you? <laughs> As in, you didn't hear it at all? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I have a similar experience. I think, uh, and that's why I didn't want to start with me, but I guess, <laughs> I guess you know, like, we're going to jump off from the same board. I mean, I didn't hear those things. I think I heard them a little bit um, when we were really young. There was definitely, like, physical signs of affection, just like, oh, we are going to hug and kiss you goodnight. And, you know, like, uh, one of my best memories is them praying for me at, at night, you know. And then it was, like, kind of like your bedtime story, and then they would tuck you in and they would leave. But then, uh, yeah, I don't think I heard anything until I grew up. And then it was in cards. It was never, like, explicit. Like, I'd always be like, that person just said, I love you to their parents on the phone. And I was like, mind blown. And I was like, and I tried it once. I tried it and I physically couldn't do it. So you still don't? I don't. I Yeah. That's that's interesting to me because I would think that you would. I, I hug them now. I hug them and I kiss them every time I um, leave the house. Because that's like, I think that's the one way that like it's hard for me. But I'm still able to do it. So one day, I'm sure one day, very soon now, I'm going to get off that courage and go, I love you, mom. And then run away. <laughs> just be like, I love you so much. Okay, go <laughs> It's going to happen just like that. <laughs> what about you? I told you already. What? Well, is that going to change? I mean, do you wish it to change? Do you hope that it could change? I mean, the only change that I feel like I could do, I mean, well, that's that's copping out. I feel like I would I would make that different with my children. Cool. I yeah. I don't think that's a cop out at all. Cuz the 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 way of doing it, the actual doing of it, that's the hardest part, right? It's like yeah, it's like on the inside. How do you make it outside? And you have just very like, you know, you've been living this way for all your life and it's hard to make the change. Especially when it comes to families that aren't so great at expressing emotions. But um but with my kids I feel like I would. Whoa. What? 
You said both your kids. I said with my kids. Oh, I was like, dang, you already have, like, predictions about that kind of stuff? She's like, and then I have a decision, and this is how we'll do it. (laughs) That would still be amazing if you had those kinds of very specific plans. But, yeah, no, that's really cool. I think think with my friends I do it, actually. That's not weird. Well, my friends do it to me, and then, like, I'll respond. Oh. You know? And then I'll feel kind of weird about it, but be like, okay, you know. What, what, what does it sound like? Oh, just like, like over the phone. Yeah, just like all right. Well, especially when I'm going through a hard time or something like oh, that. Like yeah. a friend of mine will be like, "All right, we'll take care of yourself. I love you. You know, I, I hope that things are going to get better for you." And I'm like, "I love you too." I've I've had it over text, and I'm just like, um, "I love you." Too. Like even, <laughs> you just say even it in my heart, the text sounds like <laughs> a whisper. By the way, I love you, April. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah. end the podcast, please. I can't even look you in the eye anymore. Please, in the I podcast situation, <laughs> it did not go the way I had planned. By the way, <laughs> okay, bye everybody. Signing out. Want me to go again? Yes. Okay. Too much. Too much bad. Too much.